Para algunos, este es el sonido de... Bueno, nada, pero para los amantes del desayuno de McTees, es el sonido de un sabroso sausage Jack McMuffin, de ese primer bocado de hash browns calientitos. Porque un desayuno así de bueno merece un completo silencio. Para pa pa pa. Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com, code SUMMER. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. One day closer to college football being here. One day closer. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We've got a lot to cover. I'm going to give you some insight, too, into the Jackie Sherrill settlement with the NCAA. Some details there I'll, I'll share with you guys because I think it's important. You know, that, that happened, and uh, it seemed like it kind of got away from us pretty quick here. But I, did, I just want to give you a little insight, and I, hopefully I'll have some more information uh, for an article later this week uh, to kind of share with you some things that I think are important. And so... The fact that there has been a settlement in the case that, uh, you know, some of those documents I'm sure will be sealed, but I'm in the process of getting what we can. But I'm going to share with you some things that I have learned, and then uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to, to publicize some things for your reading pleasure uh, later this week, hopefully. Hopefully. I want to thank our fine sponsors, our good, our good friends at Campus Bookmark. Uh, love Miss Kathy Brown, Stan Ray, the whole crew there. They, they will treat you like family because you are family it's as simple as that when you go in it's a wonderful experience everybody's smiling everybody's happy and ready to see you ready to serve you you're going to be able to find out what you're looking for there listen mom it's time to outfit the whole family in new threads for football season everybody wants it okay listen you, you want to be the coolest mom on the block then you go ahead and buy those kids and buy dad that new polo, buy those kids those new t-shirts. You can find that when you come to town. If if you don't, if you can't wait to come to town, I'm going to encourage you to go to campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays to save you a little cash. Free cash is good. The phrase that pays is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, which should be very easy for you to remember. Use that code BSR, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. You know you're going to spend more than that anyway. So we're happy as our gift to you to give you that free shipping. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So a couple things happen over the weekend. I don't know if you guys are aware. Most of you probably are. I know most of you guys listen to this show are the truest of the true maroon. A couple of big, some milestones for some uh, former Bulldog players. You know my policy about the whole former Bulldog stuff. Elijah McNamee friend of the show, friend of me, friend of you, friend of Marona White. Love that kid, man. Great family. Great story. Elijah Magnamy went undrafted in a Major League Baseball draft. Heard a lot of excuses. Heard a lot of uh, people trying to cover and, you know, say, hey, we were getting calls in the 15th round and people just couldn't believe he was still around. But, you know, here's the deal about that. All that may be true. But when all these other guys didn't sign, there were teams that could have stepped up and signed him, and they did not. However, Elijah signs a deal with the Evansville Otters of, an, of the Independent League, and there have been several, and I mean several players, that have gone out in the Independent League and ended up signing a deal uh, you know, with somebody else and then worked their way into the minor league system and even some um, professional players, guys who played in MLB. And so all Magnum needed was a chance. So he reported uh, late last week and got his first professional start on yesterday. Collects his first professional baseball hit. And then in the top of the 10th inning uh, against Florence, uh, big hit Mac has an RBI sack fly that proved to be the game-winning RBI. So a, a nice beginning for Elijah. And, and here's one of the things about guys like him. Elijah is really kind of the typical Mississippi State story. 
And what I mean by that, you know, listen, you know, Jake Mangum came in here highly regarded. You know, Brent Rooker's a guy that won a triple crown. So th there's some guys, and you say, you know what, these guys would have been great anywhere. But I don't know if we have had a relationship, you know, with a player quite like we have with Elijah McNamee over the course of the last few years. I mean, just he is a guy that really, really, really embraced those fans out in right field. You know, that whole area out there, you know, there's, there's Hobie's Tiki Hut, but that whole group, I mean, everybody felt there was some kinship with Mike because he would sit out there and, and kind of visit with fans, and and, uh, and he was so unbelievably approachable. I would see him around town, and every time that you see Elijah, he always has a smile on his face. It's almost like it's impossible for him, uh, you know, not to smile. He's just one of those kind of people that comes easy for him, even even when things aren't perfect. He's just always kind of an upbeat, positive guy. And wasn't, wasn't highly recruited out of high school. You know, goes to junior college, finds his way to Mississippi State. Now, I remember something John Cohen told me shortly after he got signed. He said their junior college coach told him, you know what, this is not a guy that's going to hit 20 home runs a year for you. That's just not who he is. But he's going to go on about a 10-day tear each year and going to kind of carry your team. There will be a stretch there where he will carry your team. And certainly in 2018, he did that. One of the most magical postseason runs in school history, fueled by Big Hit Mac. And then uh, this year, you know, even though he was hurt a lot this year, he had some big hits. And I don't think any of us that were in attendance will ever forget that home run against Stanford. I don't, I don't. I know that I will never forget that. At least I hope I don't. I hope. I hope when I'm uh, cycling through the final stages of my life, I'm able to kind of call up the emotion of that ninth inning when we broke through to Omaha and Big Mac put a put a big exclamation point on that memory for us. But because of the fact that he has had those battles with adversity. I think it made him more endearing to our family at Mississippi State. And you'll see him out there on Twitter. I'll, I'll always love this school, that sort of stuff. And so the fact that we have fans listening to and watching an Evansville Otter game on a Sunday just to see Elijah get his first professional appearance, that says a lot about him. And it says a lot about our fans. And I uh, even got some newspaper articles today, and, and those will be read. Those will be read by just about everybody because everybody loves that kid. Everybody. And, uh, you know, his mom, his stepdad, the, the, the whole family, everybody involved, they are, they're not, they're, they're no longer a Mississippi State baseball family. They are our family. And that's how we all feel about it. And so when, when you see him get a chance, because that's what everybody talked about, he was, he was the only guy. You know, he was the only guy. And we were all heartbroken for him. And I think for many of us, as happy as we were for Jake and for Cole and for Marshall Gilbert and uh, Keegan James and, you know, run on through the list, Colby White, everybody. As happy as we were for all of those guys, if we're all being honest, the day the draft just simply wasn't complete because Mac didn't get called. And it was difficult for us, as proud as we were of everybody else, it was difficult for us to just feel great. I almost felt guilty. You know what I'm saying? I almost felt guilty. And that's not that's not fair to those guys. But you begin to think, okay, I really want to get out here and, and really talk up Jake and you know, talk up these guys as they, they advance through the system. But there was just simply something missing. It was I won't say that it rang hollow, but the fact that Mac wasn't – playing baseball anymore was really something that stuck with me. And uh, and so to see him go out there and have an opportunity, and I've seen the pictures his mom Jennifer, his lovely mom Jennifer has shared of him holding the baseball and getting that first hit, that is something that uh, it makes us, I think it all kind of makes us feel like, okay, all is right in the world again. Because now Elijah McNamee is back playing baseball again. And, you, and listen, you guys know as well as I do, you know, when, he, when that kid's healthy, He's a great teammate. He's a guy that's going to work the count. And he is a guy, when he gets a hit, a pitch, when you make a mistake to him, he's going to make you pay for it. And so happy to see him get an opportunity, and uh, we'll see how things go from here. But uh, it's, a, it's a great story. It's a great story. And, our, and rather than it 
being the ending, I think it's really just kind of a continuation. And other Mississippi State athletic alumni news, I don't know if you saw, but Tierra McCowan breaks the Indiana Fever rookie rebound record. The uh, the previous record was held by Tamika Catchings. You guys know Catch. Tamika Catchings held the record for 15. Tierra had tied that record earlier this year. She gets 16 yesterday. And I have read some comments from some uh, WNBA insiders that say, you know, Tierra McCowan might break every rebound record there ever has been in the WNBA. It's an interesting dynamic with her because, you know, she is still kind of rounding into professional form. I don't know how many of you have kept up, so let me uh, let me give you a little quick update here. Tierra's played in, in all 20 games this year. She has started seven. The 13 she did not start were started by Natalie Achanwa of Notre Dame. So T is playing a good bit, but not always starting. And, uh, and that's, that's probably best with her being a rookie. But she's getting, you know, 19.6 minutes per game. Achan was getting 23. So it's it's pretty balanced, but they're they're kind of a little bit skewed more towards the veteran, and, and rightfully so, especially later in ball games when you got to shoot free throws because Achan was uh, leading the fever with a 91.7% free throw percentage. Uh, Big T, much as we love her, struggling a little bit with that 64.6%. She was pretty good for State this year, uh, but she's still figuring all that out. But, uh, but Big T, 6.7 points per game. Still rounding that part of her game down and uh, just over three rebounds offensively and then just under five defensive rebounds. So right at eight boards a game for her. And then uh, leading the team uh, in, uh, in a couple of statistical categories, I guess. So I guess second in the uh, on the team in field goal percentage uh, behind Natalie uh, Achanwa, uh, Big T, 48.6%. Achanwa, 54.8. And that number is kind of on the rise for, for T. And uh, not really turning the ball over a whole lot. Still getting a little bit of foul trouble. But, uh, you know, but T is just one of those players that uh, because of her size and athleticism, because usually, and let's be honest, this is true on both the men's and the women's side. When you have people with that impressive size, there is a lack of dexterity at times. There is a, a certain level of stiffness. But uh, T changed her body when she was at Mississippi State. And uh, it's really kind of rounding in you know, to this new professional game. And so she's going to be great. She is already great. Uh, but you know, her better days are ahead of her. She is going to be a dominant force in the WNBA. And so so that was a big moment, too. I think people see those numbers and they think, okay, well, that's just big T. And here's the thing. you know, The WNBA has a lot of international players, and, and it's difficult to stay in that league because it is a veterans league. It is difficult to break in. That's why when you see, you know, Andrea Howard uh, get drafted and go to Seattle and, and not stay for very long, it's because you know they they're going to go with uh, veteran players. There's not a lot of developmental time in the WNBA. Vic Schaefer and I have talked about that. He goes, man, there's there's so many free agent veterans out there that are willing to sign and uh, to sign a contract just to continue to play the game, and so it's difficult to break in as a new player. You have to have to be unbelievably skilled, as we know Victoria Vivian's uh, is, and uh, she's still on the mend. But uh, Big T, doing big things, absolutely big things. Very, very happy for her. And and those of you that have been around her and gotten to know her the last few years, you understand how, how great it is because of what a great person she is. And another another great story, another, another, another Texan, right? Another Texan that moves to, it's like Elijah McNamee, moves to Mississippi State, and kind of finds a new sense of themselves and does something absolutely amazing. And again, some memorable moments that uh, we will take with us for some time uh, with Tierra McCowan. She's just one of those people, uh, kind of a generational type player. And, and I have said privately to a few people, and I've, I think I've shared on the show before, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm in a minority here. We don't retire a lot of numbers here at Mississippi State. We, we, just, we just don't, you know. Kiefer McGee's number was retired for a while, but now that's back in rotation. Uh, Bailey Howell's number is retired for, for men's basketball. But I don't know. Based in, and maybe it's because it's difficult to appreciate greatness in the moment. But I don't know if we don't make – why don't we retire 15? I know some people like to have these special jerseys or whatever, and you know they, they give a number. It's a, it's a number of honor. You know, Ole Miss has done that some with football with a Chucky Mullins number, and – Old Miss, I mean, LSU has done that some with baseball, uh, but 
when you begin to look at the number 15 and how iconic that number is, and yes, it is recent history, but I think when you look at what Tierra McCowan and Doug Prescott and Timmy Bowers and Tierra McCowan, and you can go on down the list there, but you look at the, the players within our history and what they have meant in their respective sports, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want anybody else to wear 15 again. And I know this year in football, Jack Harris is going to wear it, and Jack, that, that's, Jack's, that's Jack's number. But it's the first time, I think, since 2015 that we've allowed a football player to wear 15. I might be mistaken, but I believe that is the case. I know the uh, last two years of the Dan Mullen era, we didn't have a 15. But all that being said, when you think about the magic associated with that number, if we elected to just kind of just say, you know what, do something, and it's it's almost unheard of. I, I don't know that anybody else is that you just retire one number in every sport that nobody will ever wear 15 at Mississippi State again. And maybe we're getting, a, you know, kind of getting caught up in whimsy in the moment. But I just don't know because the, these are some transcendent players that have worn that jersey. And um, I think that is something that we need to consider. Uh, and and may, maybe I'm totally off base there. But I would certainly be on, on board with that. Let's just go ahead and shut it down and make 15 a number of, of, of distinction. Did we say, you know what? It's just one of those crazy things that happened. It's a bit, uh, bit coincidental. But some of the greatest players in our program's history have all worn 15. And we want to honor them for their elevation of our athletic department by saying, you know what? We're never going to let anybody wear 15 again. So let me know your thoughts on that. You know, reach out social media. Maybe we'll do a poll or whatever. Maybe I'll do that after this, after the show, and we'll talk about the results on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, do you think Mississippi State should retire the number 15 in every sport? Just make it across the board. I'm in favor of that. I am in, absolutely in favor. And speaking of 15, Dak was back on campus this weekend. You know, one of the things that I think is really cool, not that we should ever be surprised, but, you know, Dak doesn't forget where he's from. And uh, I didn't make it out there. Uh, Robbie Falk went and covered for us, thank goodness. And uh, working through uh, <clears throat> the final edits on the book and all that kind of stuff. It's one of the, I think we're almost done now. I mean, I said that several times, but uh, the final read's going to take place this week. And then uh, they're going to send it off and get it printed. And uh, then we'll have a book for you guys to read. And I absolutely cannot wait. But uh, this weekend, uh, Dak's in town. Right at 450 kids come attend the camp. Uh, many Mississippi State players were coaches at the camp. But Dak hadn't forgotten us. And it would be very easy for Dak Prescott, especially with the millions he's about to make. Dak could just say, you know what, I'm just, I'll just do this, and, and maybe we'll do it in Dallas, and maybe we'll do one in Houston, and maybe I go to Shreveport and do one you know, for my hometown kids. But it, maybe it's too much trouble to get to Mississippi. But that wasn't the case. And uh, I read in the article, I can't remember who, it may have been Todd Horka that had it, uh, but uh, that uh, Dak went in a little dewy, just kind of unannounced, and there's a sign that says, Welcome back, Dak. Because Dak is our guy. And even when Dak is in town, even if he doesn't come to, to certain businesses, everybody's happy that he's here because we want him to always feel welcome here because of what he's meant to us. Uh, but Dak had the camp and uh, talked to some people that, uh, that have gone, you know, I guess every year. And said, you know what, it's, it's such a big moment for them, for those kids. Uh, you know, I mean, there's just so many kids out there that, that to be able to get close to Dak, to spend some time with Dak. And the Dak story is the Mississippi State story. And so when those young guys get up here and they get in the habit of coming to Mississippi State, you know, I know for me, and when I was a young guy, John Bond was my guy, you know. And so, and it's so crazy. It's so, you know, now I've got John's phone number. I can text John and ask him a question. You know, John's, I got a chapter with John in the new book about the egg balls that he played in. Uh, and that's kind of a surreal moment for me. But every time that I went anywhere, when I was a kid, you know, and you get, you get a chance to pick a number or whatever, or you know how it is in backyard football. Oh, well, who are you going to be? Who are you? I'm, I'm going to be John Bond. Even if I played receiver or DB, I wanted to be John Bond. And a lot of that is because of the fact that as young people, we identify players more than programs. And so when these young people, young boys and girls or whatever, 
that uh, they identify Mississippi State with people like Dak Prescott and Jake Mangum and Tierra McCowan. And I'm beginning to think to myself, we've probably never had greater, better ambassadors than these. But it's about our branding. And the Mississippi State brand has never been stronger than it is right now. Never. Never in our history has it ever been stronger. And when Dak comes back, he is making a deposit into that. Not just the Dak brand. Because listen, that's a strong brand too. But I think you know, I think the Dak brand is also helped by the fact that he is still very much in tune with his hometown in Houghton, and very much in tune with his secondary home in Starkville, Mississippi. And I think those people that look at him nationally saying, you know what, this is a guy that the fame and the money didn't change him. It didn't change him. He's still the same guy. He just makes more money. He just plays on a bigger stage. He just you know plays for. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most popular franchises in all the professional sports. But it didn't change him. And, and not that we ever expected that it would. But when you've got a guy on that platform that is associated with your program and is associated with your school colors, everybody wins when he comes back and he invests himself. And listen, those kids aren't coming for free. Okay, let's, but see... With the money, Dak, this is not about the money, okay? This is absolutely not about the money. And anybody thinks it is doesn't know Dak Prescott. You don't think he could just do, you know, he'd do a camp in Dallas every weekend for uh, the month of July and, and make that same money, if not more, or move it around, go to, go to Houston one week or whatever? It's tremendous. And I think it's one of those things that we, maybe we underappreciate, maybe we undervalue the fact that Dak comes back every year and give something back to Mississippi State. You know, Dak's been plugged in. Dak's been, Dak and all of our professional football players and Fletcher Cox told me that one of the first phone calls that he got after Joe Moorhead got hired was from Joe saying, hey, listen, we want to invite you back and let you know this is this is your home in the offseason. You need tickets to a ball game? You got them. You need access to our facility? Here's the code. You come in, lift weights, whatever you want. Just let us know when you're coming so we can arrange people to be there. And so when those guys take advantage of that, especially with a guy like Dak with, the, with you know, the stage that he has, I think we all need to kind of take a step back and really be, you know, be grateful, even for those of us who don't have kids going to the camp. And say, so, you know what, this is best for Mississippi State. Absolutely best. Speaking of the best, the best restaurant-quality hamburger in Mississippi will be found in Starkville, Mississippi at Bulldog Burger Company. If you have not gone by and found your own favorites, let me encourage you to start today. I, I'm going to go ahead and suggest, again, that you take the Boneyard Bulldog Burger Challenge and eat them all. Just go once a week and have each one and then make your decision. Now, I, I did that. Okay, I went through and we talked about each burger on the show after I had them, gave, gave you a review. And as I got down towards the end, got closer to the finish line, I, I went pretty much, I guess, three days a week for a couple of weeks so I could finish up. Not a bad burger on the menu. Now, there are some I like more than others because the different strokes for different folks. But if you want a great restaurant-quality hamburger, just a traditional, straight-ahead, no-frills, just killer burger, you go in there and you order the Bulldog and you feel good about life. But if you want to be like me and be a little bit different and walk on the wild side a bit, let me encourage you to Pimentology add bacon. That's the way to go. Or get the Mission with the Pico de Gallo on the side. That way you can kind of control the distribution. I'm not a big onions guy, but I love the mission. I absolutely love it. You go find your own favorites, and while you're there, let me encourage you to go ahead and order those spring rolls. That is the best appetizer in Starkville proper. It'll also make you better looking, and the world needs more of that. Bulldog Burger Company, the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, within walking distance of campus. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's look around a couple more things here. A couple things that I wanted to share with you. Uh, we talked about Kareem Walker a lot because he is the final piece of the uh, 2019 signing class. Shared last week that he's, he's ready to go, and uh, I, I'm told it's really just a matter of time now. You know, they, they're going, we're, we're, I guess this weekend is when uh, those guys will begin reporting. Uh, I guess over the course of the next, they'll start coming in, and then we start practice uh, on August the 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. We'll get a schedule here, a practice. Uh, should have that this week. 
We'll have an on-campus media day as well. And uh, we've done that for baseball. We, we did it for football the last couple of years. And so they'll bring in selected players, and then we'll have a chance to interview those people, and we'll, we'll roll all that content out over on Gene's page. And uh, we'll, let, we'll interview everybody they got available. We've got an army of folks with Swing David and, and uh, Paul and Robbie and I. We will interview everybody. And uh, we'll have that for you and kind of get their outlook on the season. Because I know if you're like me, you're, you're really you're getting a little football feverish. I, I, I'm, I'm, I kind of wonder what I'm going to do. I wake up some days and I think, okay, what am I going to do with myself? I've, I've pretty much got the book finished now, and uh, we're done with baseball, and uh, you know we don't have a lot of camps going on, and so you know what's, what am I going to do with myself? And so I'm getting a little stir crazy. Now this weekend, we will have uh, the dead. The summer dead period is going to end, and most colleges are going to have an event. Mississippi State. We'll also have an event this weekend, have a big kind of a family cookout type deal. Be a great event. They'll get the, the commitment, just about all the commitments in. It's going to be difficult for those, some of those out-of-state guys like Ben Key out way out there in California. It'll be difficult for him to get here. But they've invited them. This is going to be difficult to get here. So they won't get everybody here, but just about everybody will be here as well some priority targets. And uh, we'll go cover that. You know, we'll see if we can get some information for you on that. And uh, could be a commitment or two. We'll see. But uh, down to the nitty-gritty. But that, that's kind of the first big deal. And then next week's fall camp. And so the way things are kind of spread out now, you don't have the two-a-day stuff. But it's one of those deals where it's right around the corner. And so as we start taking those stair steps to get there, you know, we'll get through this week. And then the next thing you know, we've, we've got the media day stuff. And uh, – I'm eager to hear what everybody has to say, even though I know a lot of it's going to be what we typically hear this time of year, and that is, hey, we're going to be better. Because everybody out there, every, every everybody you talk to, everybody that is expected to do well will tell you, hey, we embrace the expectations. This is what we do here. Our standard is to win a championship. And then those guys that are in the middle of the pack, they're going to be like, hey, you know what? We feel like that we're just one play away. We're just one play away. We didn't make that play last year. We're going to make it this year. And then the guys in the bottom of the tier, you know, they're all like, well, you know, all those guys, it's a common thing. We're going to surprise a lot of people this year. That's what everybody thinks. Hope springs eternal in the summertime. Uh, so we'll hear a lot about that as, as we get into the media day events. But uh, Kareem Walker is one of those guys that um, that uh, getting him in is big just because of the fact, as I said before on the show, you need that third running back to get some depth. You need that this year. And goodness gracious, Kareem Walker would be the only could be, could be the only senior running back on the roster next year. But that's sinking for a second. If Colin Hill has the year we expect him to have, there's a good chance that he'll come out this year. And then it'll be Kareem Walker and then a host of young guys. Uh, that's a little bit scary, okay? Uh, just because of the fact that I think Kareem Walker is pretty much an, an unproven commodity. He has all the talent in the world. But the production has not matched the potential to date. So we'll see, you know. And I know Terry Richardson has shared that uh, he, you know, he's eager to get him on campus and and uh, eager to see what he can do, eager to work with him and see how he takes coaching sort of stuff. But uh, that that's one of those pieces, you know, we, we've been expecting. And so getting some reports, too, about Cole Smith. And we talked about Cole on the show a few times. Out of Pontotoc, uh, the son of former Mississippi State star offensive lineman Brent Smith, you know, Cole was the guy that elected to go to LSU, got down there. And, and here's what I'm told privately is that Cole absolutely loves his coaches and absolutely loves his teammates at LSU. But he just not a big fan of Baton Rouge and really wanted to be a little closer to home. And so a lot of reports, even some as of this morning, from, from family members, reports attributed to family members, that he is going to be at Mississippi State this fall. I was told very early on once the transfer was uh, was announced that he would not be entertaining a junior college opportunity, that uh, he would um, uh, only consider a four-year school. And uh, Mississippi State, I know, was a, t- a school he had communications with. Uh, I know Ole Miss had kind of let him know that they had some opportunities for him there too. Everybody else is, you know, it's kind of full-up situation. And uh, it's interesting to me. The, the whole Cole Smith thing, because of the way the timing works, works really well for Mississippi State. Darrell Williams 
expected to play this year and play well and be among the first centers taken in the NFL draft. And so that gives Cole a year to acclimate, settle in, get to know his coaching staff, get to know the playbook, and then gives him an opportunity to come out next year and uh, compete for that starting position. You know, Cole is one of those guys, too, because of the fact that uh, you know, he comes from a great pedigree. He he is a kid that, that you know, and I, I, we've had some discussions on the message boards about this, and I want to share some of this as best I can. You know, in high school, the best offensive lineman just about always plays left tackle at every classification, even if that's not what he's going to play on a college level. And that was the situation with Cole. Now, Cole, because, you know, Cole is a – very physical, aggressive player. I think he probably could have made a good DT. Uh, but all that being said, he's kind of limited to center, possibly a guard-type position. And so his high school years, he played up and down the line but kind of settled at left tackle to fill a team need. Then he slides back in, and, and uh, so he's still kind of learning the nuances of that center position. So I think this year will be good for him. So as Daryl Williams ages out of the program, then Cole Smith has the opportunity in January to begin winning that job and then having a chance to be a multi-year starter here at Mississippi State. And so that is something that I think is significant. Uh, I think Cole Smith was a great player. And, uh, again, the only knock on him out of high school was just he's a little bit limited position-wise because of his size on the college level. You know, if he, he, he might could get away playing tackle at some level, but that's not his skill set. You know, he's not that long-limbed uh, edge protector. That's that's not who he is. You know, he, he is a guy that needs to be out there, kind of a square body type, and he'd be on interior where he can fire off the ball and blow people into the, into the uh, second level of defense. And so uh, excited about where things are headed with him. I don't know how that gets announced. I don't know if uh, that, that's a January deal or not. But uh, but either way, once we get some confirmation that he's on campus, we'll let you know. But uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's, I, I don't know what the spring, the summer school sessions look like at OSU, but I know Mississippi State's not going to be done taking finals until around August the 5th. And so we're going to report here for camp uh, August 2nd. So I don't know if Cole will be part of that, but I'll get the details and we'll let you know. But either way, not going to play this year. Cole will not be eligible to play at Mississippi State this year. I don't think even Tom Morris could get that handled for you. But uh, but all that said, that's a significant development for the future. Doesn't impact you on the field this year. But when you begin to look beyond that, give him a year in the weight room. And Cole's a guy that was a pretty good power lifter in high school too. But uh, he's only going to get bigger and stronger. And so excited to have him back. This This is the kid that grew up coming to games at Mississippi State. Uh, made the decision he thought was best for himself based on a relationship. Dad had a great relationship with Pete Jenkins, Pete at LSU. And so uh, I, I think at this point it's just Mississippi State folks should just welcome Cole back into the family, even though he never technically left. I understand there was some you know, some people on um, message boards on social media very disappointed when he picked LSU over Mississippi State. But uh, the bottom line is we don't always know everything that goes into these kids making a decision. Uh, but now that it's being remedied, now he's – looking to come back. And so uh, excited about that as well as you should be uh, as we kind of push forward with that. Now, want to get into the football stuff too. I mentioned uh, football camp is uh, just around the corner. Your football staff is back now. And uh, everybody's had the summer vacations. You know, you saw on social media, Jim Moorhead took a few days after SEC media days uh, to take the family home to Pittsburgh. Ran into Chris Stratton, Adam Frazier up there at the uh, the Pirates game. And so uh, happy all that's happened, but now everybody's back. And uh, you know, started getting some texts and some phone calls of, hey, you know, people are back in town, people are going to be here this day or whatever, and, and everybody's ready to get back to it here in year two. And I think one of the important parts of that, too, is the, the recruiting piece of this, especially with all these recruits coming to campus this weekend. Uh, we've got to find a way, number one, to close out this class, but also get off to a big start in 2021 because I, I really think the 2021 talent pool might actually be deeper than 2020. Now, we have a list over on the Jeans Page Forum, kind of a uh, an expected uh, guest list for this weekend. And while it's always good to get your 2020s back on campus because the more time they spend to, with each other, 
the more they become committed to each other and not just to Mississippi State. But it is a very special situation for those juniors. You bring those juniors in, and it almost kind of sends them the message, you know what, hey, this is going to be your new family. And these guys, even though that we're focusing on these guys to get these guys signed in December, we're still thinking about you. And so there'll be, you know, probably half dozen or more 2021 guys. Uh, Mississippi State commitment, Dan Smith out of Pro Vine will be there. And so having those guys interact with each other and be able to do some things, you know, because here's the thing on game day. You know, it, they herd them in like cattle because there's so many of those guys. And so the coaches are some guys that obviously they want to go speak to and say hello to, and they do that. But this is a more relaxed atmosphere. It kind of gives everybody a chance to kind of sit down and break bread and just kind of visit without you know, the pressures of a game day. And then more and more schools are doing this sort of thing. I remember back in the Chrome years, one of the uh, pleasant memories of those that era is that they would have the cookout in the summer too. And uh, we're among the first to really do that. And uh, that was kind of our big recruiting stuff. I mean, so it's like we talked about the big dog camp under Mullen. The big recruiting day of the summer with, uh, with Coach Kroom was when they had the big family cookout. And so we're kind of getting the best of both worlds because we're, we're doing top dog camp and we're doing the cookout. And so we, we did the, the best of the Kroom thing and then the best of the Mullen thing. And uh, perhaps that'll be better for Mississippi State in the long run. And so we're beginning to kind of work through all that and kind of figure how Joe wants to handle the summer recruiting calendar. But I don't think anybody can knock the, uh, you know, the, the success so far. I mean, if you look at the fact that Mississippi State's got 22 verbal commitments for the 2020 class, and uh, you've pretty got a pretty good idea of what you're looking for for those final ones. You know, probably looking at, you know, obviously Malik Heath and then uh, maybe another offensive lineman. you got a couple linebackers out there you're looking at too. And, uh, and there will be an adjustment or two. Okay, the, go ahead and be prepared for that. There will be an adjustment or two as we get a little deeper into the end of the process. But uh, there may be some team needs. There may be something that pops up in, in fall camp. Maybe, God forbid we have an injury. But maybe there's something that pops up that we kind of adjust our needs uh, as a result of that. And so this is a big week because it is the week before the circus comes to town. You know what I'm saying? What I mean by that is, you know, with fall camp, once, every, once we get into fall camp – all of the recruiting stuff is somewhat diminished. You kind of put that on the back burner because now it's time to go play football. And there are sometimes we get all caught up in, in recruiting sometimes and we think, you know, it's all about recruiting. Well, it's true to a point, but it's really all about winning. And so everybody kind of shifts gears a little bit because then all the high school kids, you know, they're not going to be traveling as much. You know, they'll make their trip this weekend. Next thing you know, they're going to be in, in fall camp of their own. And we're going to be starting school here pretty soon. You know, and so then all of a sudden kids will be in class. And so everybody kind of calibrates down and gets involved in what's directly in front of them, and that's their current season. High school players, college players, college coaches, everybody. They'll still be interacting on social media, but it'll be a different deal until we get into the games. And so this weekend's event, very, very big. And as we get later in the week, I'll update that list. But right now we're, we're expecting several, but there will be an ebb and flow with that. Uh, I know Ole Miss is, is working overtime trying to get Mississippi State commitment Emmanuel Forbes to uh, to visit them this weekend rather than Mississippi State. And I would say, you know, when if you're committed to a school and they're having a big event and you choose to go to the Arch Rival, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a pretty big deal, pretty big deal there. And so kind of changing gears here quickly too, speaking of calibration, just announced – uh, Mississippi State has uh, named the new head softball coach at Mississippi State to replace Van Studeman. Bulldog's gonna, going to uh, promote from within as uh, Samantha Ricketts will get the job. This was not unexpected. And uh, within hours of uh, Van Studeman being uh, relieved of her duties, that was kind of the buzz behind the scenes as the state would promote from within and really wanted to find a way to keep Samantha Ricketts and Tyler Bratton on the staff. And so... That's a big part of it. Let's read through this together if we can. Samantha Ricketts, one of the rising coaching stars in college softball, who has directed the most explosive offenses in Mississippi State history, has been named the Bulldogs' sixth head softball coach director of athletics. John Cohen announced on Monday. It became clear during our search that Samantha Ricketts was the right fit to lead Mississippi State softball. Cohen said Samantha's vision, national recruiting experience, and her ability to teach the game were the biggest factors in our decision. 
She has been one of the most sought-after rising stars in the nation. Coach Ricketts has the utmost respect from our student-athletes and her peers around the country. With her SEC experience and her time at Oklahoma, she knows what it takes to develop our student-athletes into strong people on and off the field. Uh, Ricketts served as MSU's assistant coach in 2015 through 18, focusing on hitting and recruiting before being promoted to associate head coach on July 30, 2018. San Jose, California native, has been a part of one Women's College World Series appearance, six NCAA regional bursts, and two NCAA Super Regional appearances in her coaching career. I am honored and thrilled for the opportunity to lead Mississippi State softball, Rickett said. I am thankful to Director of Athletics John Cohen and President Dr. Mark Keenum for believing in me. I take so much pride in this program. We will work extremely hard and efficiently in elevating Mississippi State softball to our ultimate goals. I am eager to continue to mentor our team, not just as Bulldog student-athletes, but as first-class leaders in the community. She will be introduced 10 a.m. Thursday in the Golding Family Media Center at the north end of Davis Wade Stadium. So if you have an opportunity to uh, to come by and say hello to her. So uh, so that's big. That That is a, an exceptional move, I think, because, again, a lot of people had shared that Ricketts was one of those coaches we were kind of afraid to let get away, that we felt like because of her recruiting ability and, and her down-to-earth nature that she would be somebody we wanted to hang on to. And so to ensure that happens, uh, we make her the head coach. So – Great news there for those of you to keep up with uh, with Mississippi State softball. And here's the deal with that. You know, softball has kind of been one of those fringe sports for Mississippi State because we haven't had a lot of success with that. But we've made a commitment as an administration, and I believe that the better days of Mississippi State softball are ahead. I, I, I firmly believe that. And uh, I think based on what I'm – and I'm not some softball guru. I'm not going to pretend to be. But based on the things that I heard about Samantha Ricketts last week, as she was mentioned as not just a candidate but the preferred candidate, that a lot of people in the softball community very, very uh, high on her potential. So before we get out of the door, let me remind you to, if you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillains.com and go ahead and order your Stark Villain gear. You can get shirts, you can get uh, hoodies, you can get whatever you need. You're going to want that when that book comes out because you're going to, trust me, you're going to want to identify with the Stark Villains. Uh, so, speaking of stark villains and people that had no problem wearing the black hat, let's talk about Jackie Sherrill before we get out of here today. And so, just to share with you a few things that I have learned. Number one, the uh, the testimony from Rich Johannigmeyer did not go well for the uh, defendants in this case, NCAA. Now, a couple of things I think is important. There were a couple of developments because some people have made some, some questions, you know, about Zena Reb to Julie Gibbard. And I understand that she had settled her portion of the case over a year ago. And when that happened, I think that really was kind of the death knell for the NCAA case. I really believe that was a significant development. And uh, I'm sure at some point she would have been called to testify. And, and I really believe that would have been very, very, very damaging to the NCAA's case. And so what I was told on Monday is that Johannigmeyer showed up and uh, that uh, was really kind of bullish, you know, showed up in there and, and kind of made some things, uh, you know, was kind of running around, I guess, and uh, kind of walking around with his chest puffed out or whatever. And so he gets on the stand and uh, I understand that basically they put him in a box, that Jim Wade really put him in a box and kind of, you know, set up his cross-examine, uh, his rebuttal witnesses, pardon me. And uh, and so Johannic Meyer gets up there and, and makes several claims, and I'm, I'm working overtime to try to get that testimony, to get transcripts of that. I don't know what all is going to be sealed by the judge or not, but we're going to try to get everything that is available and we're going to share that with you. But uh, but Johannic Meyer gets up there and then uh, is called back for a second day. And, uh, again, things did not go well. And I think I shared with you on, on Friday that uh, my, uh, my contact said that the first day was a bad day for the NCAA and the second day was devastating. Because they, uh, they they brought up Terrell Grendel's mother, and they brought up John Bond, and they brought up Peggy Sherrill, and, and basically every other piece of testimony kind of conflicted 
with what Johannigmeyer had said. And so here's the thing to understand too about that. that this is all over now. And there are some people that have said, well, Steve, the NCAA should apologize to Mississippi State. Well, let me, let me share with you a couple things, too, for those of you that, that did not follow that case closely. And we're talking 16 years ago now. We were still guilty of some things. There were some things that were findings of fact against Mississippi State. And so while this investigation was tainted and malicious in nature, there were still some things that were turned up that um, Mississippi State was guilty of so we will not get a letter of apology we will not get any uh you know scholarships back we won't we won't even get any of that we won't we won't even get you know a letter or anything saying hey we're, we're sorry for wasting your time you know and the damage was already done in mississippi state and we've already recovered from that and now jackie Sherrill will kind of move forward and so there, there will be no exoneration for mississippi state that's it, not going to happen i think in the eyes of many bulldog fans they'll look at that and say you know, that, that this proves that um, they were out to get us. And here's the thing, they were. They, they absolutely were. And it was a couple things that I have found, too, is that some of the things that they, it was one of those things you just throw enough stuff against the wall and hope that it sticks. Um, but now that is, that chapter is officially closed. All the discussion about, you know, about Zena Reb and, and uh, about Johannic Meyer and about Jackie Sherrill, all of that is over. That That is completely behind us now, and most of that stuff's going to be sealed, and it'll never come to light. Because when you have one of these confidential settlements, I mean, you, you don't go public with the details of it. Everybody will sign a non-disclosure agreement, and then everybody will just move forward with life. And so the, the part of that that bothers me is the fact that the enemies of Mississippi State will have the opportunity to remain anonymous, many of them will have the opportunity to remain anonymous. And as some of the testimony revealed last week, too, that Jeff Bauer, former Southern Miss coach Jeff Bauer, was really working overtime uh, to try to help get Jackie Sherrill in some trouble. And uh, and so I think all of that is important. And, I, and I, I'm a guy that believes in transparency, you know, just as I did in the Ole Miss case. I think this information should be made available. And so what is made available, we'll make available to you. But I, I want to read all of that. I want to know, as a person that is a uh, supporter of Mississippi State, I want to know what Mississippi State was accused of. I want to know what the truth was, and I want to know where this information came from. Uh, and and I, I think that's all anybody wants. And I think there are a lot of people out there that, that, that are curious about this and say, well, you know, it was 16 years ago. You know, 16 years is a long time, I guess, if you're in prison. But when you think about the course of your life, you know, 16 years – Many of these same people that were involved in uh, in all this are still available. They're you know they're still around, and so I, I think I think everybody should get credit for what they did. I think that's an important part of things, and so my hope is is that we'll be able to publicize much of that, and uh, and you can find out for yourself. And you know, I'll be honest with you, there there's some questions that I have that I don't know that'll ever be answered. You know, one of the things that we were told back then is that, uh, and, and some of you that were around a few 24 hours ago remember this, is every time, and I remember that Ken Griffith interview, Ken Griffith was the uh, player out of Brandon High School that uh, accused Mississippi State of giving him some money to, to, to attend a uh, summer school course at the Ed Center, that he was, and uh, Griffith went on record with the Clarion Ledger shortly after his interview with Rich Johannigmeyer and Griffith's comments were was that he was going to get a call, and, and, I, and I, I don't want to, I'm paraphrasing. It's been a long time since I read that article. But Griffith said that he was informed by the NCAA investigators that he would get a call from the Clarion Ledger, and it was okay to talk to them. Now, that's a violation of the NCAA's own bylaws with about the whole process being confidential. You're supposed to keep the contents of your interview and the time of your interview and all that. All that's supposed to be remain confidential, but here... Uh, we allegedly had an NCAA investigator telling a high school kid that, hey, it's okay to talk to the state's largest newspaper and tell them the truth. And there was some discussion back then that the NCAA was, you know, trying to kind of flush the bushes out a little bit, kind of rattle the bushes and see what fell out of there. And, and they wanted to put some pressure on people and put pressure on Jackie Sherrill. And one of the things that I was told back then as well is that when uh, they interviewed John Bond, John had been a GA here, uh, and then... Uh, you know, John was a guy that, uh, you know, the, the face of our program for many years. And then rather than interview John Bond someplace private, that uh, Rich Johannigmeyer wanted to interview him in the lobby 
of the hotel where the Mississippi High School Coaches Association was having their annual convention. And so there's a lot of things that happened here that are just, you know, sketchy. And so I think all of you that weren't around then need to know this. And I think all of us that were around back then probably want to see you know, exactly what was testified to. What exactly was Richard Johannigmeyer's story? Now, he's retired now, no longer a member of the NCAA. And and after the uh, the issues that popped up in the Alabama case and the Mississippi State case, you know, he had a lot of desk duty after that. And uh, they kind of hid him in many respects. But uh, I, I believe, and I think like many of you, that this was a malicious investigation. And uh, this is one of the things, this is one of the cases that I believe that pushed the NCAA into enforcement reform. Because you had situations like this, you had the, quote, big game hunter, Rich Johannigmeyer, uh, you know, not, not necessarily chasing violations, but chasing personalities and chasing people. Uh, that's a big part of things, and I, I think that's one of the things that uh, why we have a penalty matrix, even though the NCAA doesn't appear to follow it uh, regularly. But all that stuff is fascinating to me, and, I, and I'm sure it is to you guys as well. And so hopefully we'll be able to get that information and make it available to you uh, soon. I hope to have it this week, but there's no guarantees. I had somebody contact me last week and ask for my address to send me some documents, so maybe they'll show up this week and maybe they don't. I'll keep you apprised of that as we go. But again, the Jackie Sherrill case now officially over and officially behind us and I know that Coach Sherrill would love to be able to come back to Starkville and, and get plugged back in with Mississippi State in somehow some way so maybe that happens well folks it's going to do it for today until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.